If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. I'm Erin Sadler from Sadler Science. And I'm Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. We're here to cut through the confusion to help science teachers like you make science relevant and engaging with student-driven instruction. We know that when students take ownership of their learning, teaching can be simple and fun. Thanks for being here and let's dive into the episode. Hey guys. So this is a solo episode. This is Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. And today I'm going to be talking about um, writing in science and particularly some informal ways that we can bring writing into our classroom and um, and like support literacy in that way. Okay, so one of the first, we're just going to like dive right in. Um, I'm heading back to school this week, so... Yeah, we're just going to dive right in, and this will probably be a shorter episode, um, but but you know how that is. Okay, so obviously, like, scientific literacy is not limited to the ability to understand and discuss scientific concepts. Um, really, written communication, it's an important skill for all scientists. It's an important skill for all students, right? So this is a skill that actually can be incorporated into a number of the science and engineering practices. So you don't see like literacy on the SEPs, but if you think about it, literacy and writing can be brought into constructing explanations and designing solutions, engaging an argument from evidence, um, and then of course obtaining, evaluating, and communicating information. It's really just about communicating. Now, before we dive into like the specific strategies that I want to share that might help you um, think of ways that you can incorporate this kind of informal writing into your classroom, I want to encourage you to think about writing as a process. So I've done some research on this and writing progresses from this like knowledge telling level to a knowledge transformation level as students move through K through 12 education. So it's really important to identify where your students are first so that you can um, support them in the stage that they're in and then help them move forward um, because it's not like there's a specific grade band where they're just like, oh, they know how to do this. They can, they are in the knowledge transformation phase, right? So what is knowledge telling? Let's start with that. So knowledge telling is basically when students are simply like listing everything that's coming to their mind in response to, you know, your prompt or your question. So the writing has very little organization or it could just be like a chronological fashion, you know, organized in that way. And students be pretty much begin writing without even planning out what were the, what they're planning to say. Now, as your students gain more sophistication in their communication skills, they move toward a knowledge transformation phase. 
And this is, it's evident that your students are in this phase when they're taking time to plan their approach to the task. When they are reorganizing the knowledge or the ideas to best communicate their their thoughts and their ideas. And, and to maybe make their argument or construct their explanation. Um, and then oftentimes when students are in the knowledge transformation phase, they're actually like experiencing new realizations as they are writing. So the writing process, writing is a really powerful tool that we can use in our classrooms because it, during the writing process, our students are oftentimes really truly transforming their ideas. They're having new ahas as they are getting their thoughts down. You know, a lot of times we think about, we think our students have to, and many students do need to talk about their ideas and they need to um, maybe think about them or just, you know, where we ask questions or whatever. But but actually writing their ideas down can help them see connections, can help them draw new conclusions, can help them make new observations. So all of that can be really powerful and it's another reason why bringing writing in, and it can be very informal writing, but bringing writing into your science class can really help further your students' scientific understanding. Now, if your students are at the knowledge telling level, so you give them a question or a prompt and they just start like blurting things out, it's clear that there's not a lot of organization, maybe they're providing evidence kind of willy-nilly, That's a funny phrase. Anyway, um, what can you do? So some things that you can do to help support your students in this phase could be giving your students um, writing frames. So this might look like a graphic organizer where you ask them to write like a summary sentence, like what's their big idea, you know, here's your three pieces of evidence and what's your conclusion or whatever. Um, It could also be giving them sentence stems to draw from so that they have something to help them get started and and think about. Um, And of course, you know what sentence stems are. Um, And then also word banks. So let's look at each of these three strategies first because I want you to know how you can support your students in these many different activities that we're going to like be talking about afterward. So writing frames, again, these are those tools that help your students organize their ideas and often prompt them to include specific information or features. They can also, these are very valuable because they break down the task so it seems very, it seems much less overwhelming. So they could be in the form of like guiding questions that your students are answering as they develop their written response. So again, it could just be one paragraph, but it's like three guiding questions that you're asking them to address in order in their written response. It could just be boxes to indicate new ideas, new paragraphs, new pieces of evidence, new observations, whatever it is. Um, now, writing frames, I, if you're thinking, you know, my high school students don't need this or my middle school students don't need this, I would really encourage you to give it a try. I, when I was teaching um, a, I was actually teaching English language arts at the time. It was very early in my teaching career. And I had a, several students that, whenever there was a writing task or a like questions or whatever, they just refused to write. And and then there were behavior issues as they, you know, were finding other things to do to avoid writing. And what I found very helpful was actually giving them like instead of a, a blank lined paper, a paper with boxes. And again, it just like said your introduction sentence and then it was like two lines for an introduction inside of a box. It said your, you know, through one more a detail, you know, um, another detail, another detail, and then conclusion sentence or whatever it was. And 
they actually wrote the entire thing. So they essentially wrote a full paragraph response to the question, but it didn't feel like it to them because they weren't staring at this blank page in front of them. They were just looking at these boxes that they had to fill. So writing frames can be really helpful for students in reducing that feeling of like overwhelm when they're seeing this big blank page and they're asked to write and maybe they're not the greatest at it or they don't feel confident in it. And it also then provides that organization. So, you know, you might have a writing frame if you're using a CER type of approach that shows, you know, here's the claim and here's the box for the claim. Maybe there is a piece of, you have two columns then and you have evidence in one column and then you ask students to write the reasoning that connects to that, those pieces of evidence in the other column. Um, and then students can visually see how the evidence and the reasoning connect. And it's not as clear cut as like, here's all the evidence and here's all the reasoning at the bottom, but they can actually make the connections between the evidence and the reasoning and, and what it's doing with the claim. So that might be a tool that your students can use if they are getting started with a CER. And now, again, CER is a little bit more formal. We're not gonna dive into that, but um, I want to give you an example of how you might use a writing frame in science. So sen- sen- sentence stems were that was the, another tool that you can use. And we know what those are. They, they're those sentence starters. Sometimes just getting started is the hardest part. So having your students simply start by writing the sentence stem can sometimes just like open the floodgates. And like I said, as we are writing, oftentimes we're processing and we have new ideas and new realizations and and it gets students started, right? So sentence stems can be great. We use them a lot during discussion, I feel like, or at least we talk about using them. I talk about using them a lot during discussion, but they can also be, of course, be great for writing. Um, And then lastly, word banks. I really like word banks because they can help cue your students into including important ideas or vocabulary, which can help define the focus for their written piece. So this obviously provides less support than writing frames or sentence stems, but it still gives them a little bit of a um, focus on like, what do I need to include in my response? You know, so students are um, making some observations about maybe you did like one of those photosynthesis labs where you watch how the carbon dioxide and the oxygen levels are changing based on the color. You might include in your word bank um, maybe the colors that students saw were, were observing during the activity. Maybe the words photosynthesis, maybe the words like carbon dioxide, oxygen. Um, so your students know like, oh, I need to talk about how I noticed the color change because that indicates the changing level of carbon dioxide and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, so those can be really helpful as well. I also like to use these on assessments a lot because, again, it just helps focus students' attention um, so that they know it's, it's just like a prompt of like, don't forget to include this. Now, at this level, at this knowledge transformation level, your students are really going to need like time and space to organize their ideas um, and and then eventually incorporate new, well, further develop their ideas as they're writing and then incorporate those new ideas into their work. So using those graphic organizers, doing multiple drafts, um, or at least having students go back and revising their old ideas is really important at this level. Now, as your students are moving into knowledge transformation, you can simply start removing some of these supports because they are going to become more adept at organizing their own ideas. So maybe when they needed more support, you were giving specific guiding questions as students were answering a a question or a prompt or whatever. Maybe at a, a knowledge transformation level, it's just a more generic Um, graphic organizer. So it's not as tailored to the specific prompt because you are expecting your students to have developed some of those skills of organizing their their ideas um, and sorting through that. But again, 
your students might not be there. So just no matter what grade level they're at, we need to consider where they are in their writing skills. Okay, so all of those are ways we can support students in formal writing or informal writing, but we're going to talk about some informal writing tasks that you can bring into your classroom. And I feel like a lot of times when we think about literacy in the science classroom, we always think about those big formal writing tasks. We think about doing the CER essay. We think about writing the big lab report. But really, it's important that we are engaging our students in informal writing as well. And realistically, informal writing should make up the bulk of writing instruction in our science classroom. Um, there's like that that quote, like students should write more than you can grade. Like you should not be grading every students every time your students write, but your students should be writing regularly in science. And I know that you're you might be thinking like, oh my gosh, we don't have time for this. Um, how am I supposed to teach writing in addition to science? But the thing is, we're not teaching writing in addition to science. We're giving students opportunities to process science information and communicate science information and develop their scientific understanding through writing. Um, so I don't, I honestly, my opinion, I don't think that you need to go in and grade all of the grammar or grade all like capitalization and like punctuation and all of that stuff. If you want to, fine. But I don't, I, my opinion again, I don't think you necessarily need to. However, um, you might want to provide your students some tools to help them revise their writing for more formal tasks. Um, but the goal is that they're just they're just writing. They're reading and writing in science as well as um, doing all that amazing discovery and hands-on and all of that, right? And again, you might be like, oh my gosh, I don't have time for that. But informal writing tasks do not necessarily have to take a lot of time. That's the whole point. They're informal. They're quick. They're low risk. They can allow students to practice writing in super short little bursts. And these activities build students' confidence and trust in themselves and their ability to write. Um, and again, it's not increasing the time you're grading because it's just formatively, you know, assessing students' understanding, giving them a chance to process their ideas. Okay, so what are some informal writing activities? Science notebooking is an amazing informal writing activity, and we have a whole episode on science notebooking, so I'm not going to dive into that too much, but I will probably give you a little bit. Um, creating classroom signs and posters to communicate the science ideas that students are learning. It is a super low risk. It is a kind of fun making a poster, making a sign, something like that. We can utilize class observation books or nature journals. We just did an episode on nature journals, so check that one out. You can use quick little science starters or your bell ringers. You can tailor those so that they're asking students to do a little bit of writing. And of course, we can do exit slips um, and some kind of like summarizing and synthesizing activities at the end of the class that involves writing. So let's take a little bit of a closer look into these these different activities. All right, so science notebooks, such an easy and effective way to bring writing daily into your classroom. You know, your students are modeling in their notebook. They're documenting vocabulary. They're recording data from lab observations and making drawing conclusions. So you know, it's so easy to just add in a little bit of writing into that. Now, in my own classroom, we used to begin our lessons or, and a lesson might last a couple days, so it wasn't like a necessarily daily thing, but we would begin our lesson by writing down our success criteria, and it described what students would do by the end of class. Um, And so, for example, like, I can illustrate and explain how energy produced by the sun reaches Earth. So during the learning activities, my students are discovering, you know, how the sun releases, like, like what's going on in the sun, and they are understanding how, um, 
electromagnetic radiation travels and things like that. So the success criteria isn't like giving away what they're discovering, but it is summarizing what they're going to be able to do by the end of the lesson. So now at the end of that lesson, at the end of those activities, they've probably, like I said, they've probably done some modeling. They've probably recorded some observations. They've um, maybe recorded some data. They've drawn some conclusions in there. Maybe they've added some vocabulary pages or, or notes on vocabulary. Now at the end of that like section of their notebook, we would go back to that. And I would ask students to like illustrate and explain how energy produced by the sun reaches earth. And I would Ask them to do that with, I mean, illustrate as obviously drawing, but explaining could be some degree of, of writing. And this could also be scaffolded, you know, some students, maybe it's just annotating their illustration. For other students, it might be, you know, writing a short paragraph that explains what's, what, what their model is showing. So when I, and we've talked about this a little bit with the, in the science notebooking and like how we grade and all of that, um, but, and Erin and shared that she does not grade science notebooks, but what I tended to do is I would, choose, you know, one or two of these success criteria, um, like wrap-ups, you know, writing tasks, and I would read students' responses, and I would evaluate their, you know, uh, their understanding, their ability to explain and elaborate on their ideas, the degree of effort that they made in that little short little written response, Um, and it really helped me notice, you know, what students were understanding and which ones were still struggling and of course as they are writing it I'm also like moving around the room and formatively examining like what's going on or assessing students abilities and um or understanding I should say students understanding of that concept even as they are writing so that's one way we can incorporate science notebooks or we can incorporate writing into our classroom using these science notebooks uh and it doesn't take a lot of time again coming back to that success criteria at the end of a maybe two or three day lesson where we were exploring all these different um, concepts might take, maybe it's like a five or 10 minute task. You know, it's I, it's not a huge assessment. It's not a huge time suck. It's just a, an opportunity to incorporate writing. And another thing that we can do is like later on in the unit as students are maybe completing um, additional or like learning more about maybe what's going on in the sun or nuclear fusion or things like that, they can come back to their written response and they can revise it. And they can reflect on how their understanding has changed, like what it was then, how what it is now. And they can revise their writing to communicate those new ideas. So again, science notebooks are just a really great way that you can give students a five or 10 minute thing to, to jot down their ideas. Okay, so classroom signs. I like, so this is a fun way to both foster a feeling of ownership of the classroom and engage your students in activities that that um, incorporate writing, incorporate communication, and that's through developing, you know, classroom posters or signs or other displays. Um, you know, you can create models of students' observations and, and they're annotating on those models and they are um, creating you know, labeling vocabulary and things like that, identifying structure and function of things, of uh, organisms that they're studying or whatever it is. Um, We can also have students create their own anchor charts. Like I know everybody loves, and I love, I, I, okay, no, I don't know about everybody. I'm not gonna speak for everybody. I love seeing those beautiful anchor charts that really artistic teachers do and post on their walls and they look so beautiful and the, the font is amazing and like, or the script is amazing and I love it. However, we could actually have our students create anchor charts that organize key ideas or evidence from the unit um, and communicate that. And again, it's, 
building ownership of the classroom and ownership of that learning because your students are the ones that are creating it and it's also incorporating writing because it's a poster and it can't all be pictures. There has to be words to help communicate like what's happening in their poster. Now, observation books are um, a unique idea that I encountered at a conference I attended several years ago now. And um, it was actually a teacher was working in upper elementary, but you could totally do this in any classroom. And it is very similar to nature journaling. However, observation books, unlike the nature journaling that we talked about in that previous episode, observation books are a shared, a shared, um, like a shared notebook. So it's a shared activity. I can't think of the word. Um, but basically, they are binders where your students take turns documenting something. So it could be observing birds at a bird feeder outside your classroom window, you know, identifying their species, documenting their behavior, um, if that is something you have outside your window. It could also be recording weather conditions and cloud types. Um, there could be, you could even, if you have like nothing outside your window, you could access data from remote locations. So you could do like web cameras from different zoos or wildlife refuges. You could do quantitative data from different weather stations, you know, NASA NOAA. You could look at tidal data. Um, you can, there's, I mean, there's so much data online. But you can even observe like the sun in real time using like, I think NASA has a site where you can like see the sun. <coughs> so you could have your students, you have a, a binder and it is at this, you know, observation station and students are simply taking turns and maybe they have to write in a certain amount of times in a semester or a quarter or a week or something like that. Um, but they're simply taking turns documenting this phenomenon that you are observing over time. And it's, it's interesting because students, as they are working on their own entry, they can kind of peruse other students' entries and that's an amazing opportunity for students to gain new ideas about like communicating and writing because how often do our students only see either textbooks um, examples we give them or their own work we oftentimes don't allow students to look at other students work and look at the way other students communicate and that's a shame because we learn so much by observing the work of our peers so that is a way that students can, in a really low-risk way, observe your peers, their peers' work. I mean, you don't even have to put names on it. But observe their peers' work and get ideas about what they might write about or ways they might communicate what they're writing about. Even things like grammar and punctuation and things like that. By observing other students' work, they can see, oh, that student always uses a capital letter at the beginning of a sentence. Maybe I should do that, you know? Or like they always capitalize Jupiter. I guess I should capitalize Jupiter. I don't know why they would be writing about Jupiter, but in that in any of the examples I've given, but who knows. Um, and then, of course, like I mentioned, like sign starters or your bell ringers or exit slips. So I don't, I had a colleague that called them sign starters and I always liked it. So I always say that, but it's bell ringers, your warm-ups, whatever. And then your exit slips. And these are super quick opportunities to bring in writing tasks that can ask students to summarize or synthesize their knowledge. Um, they can share prior knowledge. They can share, I mean, you can give them sentence stems like, one new thing I learned. Um, they could also be sentence stems like I'm still confused about and asking them to complete that. But the goal is moving beyond just a one word question or answer to actually practice expressing whatever understanding they have at the time in just that low risk environment. So exits, you know, tickets and warm ups, it should not be more than like a five minute task, right? It's very quick. Um, so those are a couple very low risk ways to bring in some informal writing into your science classroom. 
If you are looking for formal writing, of course we have, you know, you can do synthesis paragraphs where they are taking everything they have learned and applying it to a phenomenon. That's, you know, these are more like assessment types of things. Um, You have your CER or argumentative essays. You have your, um, so like claiming everything's reasoning. You might have, um, gosh, you might have, you know, your field, your official lab reports or field investigation reports. Um, so there are definitely ways that you can also bring in formal writing into your classroom. And of course, all of these take much more time. But I really want to just encourage you to explore different ways that you can bring informal writing into your classroom to build your students' comfort with writing about their science ideas, their confidence in their ability to write about their science ideas, and doing so in a, just a super low-risk way where it doesn't even matter the spelling doesn't matter. The The punctuation doesn't matter. The grammar doesn't matter. It's really just ex- practicing communicating because the more our students can be reading and writing, the more they can be communicating um, on paper. It's just going to build that skill. And we obviously know that is a skill that our students need. So I hope this episode was helpful. I would love to hear what ways you are bringing informal writing into your classroom. Of course, if you're enjoying our podcast, please leave us a review. It helps others find us. It also lets us know what you are enjoying or not enjoying. Um, and if you have ideas for future episodes or if you have questions, please reach out to Erin or I on Instagram. Um, and we'll have those links in the show notes. Um, and... Yeah, and I will catch you next week. Have a great one. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to SadlerScience.com slash 3D Planner to grab yours. That's SadlerScience.com slash 3D Planner.